Happy Tuesday, everyone. Karen Fontenot here welcoming you to another episode of Genesis on Tuesday, where we study the great first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings, Genesis, where we find every doctrine of scripture included in this book, along with God's great plan of redemption for us in and through Jesus Christ. Now, let's get right into the content. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shall come into the ark, you and your sons, and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Verse 19, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shall you bring into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto you to keep them alive. Verse 21, And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to you, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Chapter 7 and verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come, thou and all thy house, into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female, of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Verse 5, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, Thank you so much again for your word today. Thank you for this time together. And, uh, well, we thank you for the power and the anointing that are on your words, that I could feel your power and your glory just reading those words. And we um, offer this time to you, commit it to you. And I pray again, open my eyes, O Lord, that I may behold great and wondrous things out of thy law. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have uh, come again to um, the end of chapter 6 going into chapter 7 of Genesis. Isn't that something I counted uh, a few days ago, and I believe I counted 34 I believe it's 34, and this is this episode will be the 35th 
of all the episodes we've done so far, just out of the first six chapters of Genesis, I tell you, isn't the word of God is so rich and, you know, it's got to be at least three dimensional or, or I should say it this way, there has to be at least three, you know, meanings or three part depth, if I can say it that way to everything that we read or to all of his words. Well, there has to be because, you know, he is, he's three, three persons, you know, his three, uh, he is three part. And so I, it's going to be at least that, uh, much each time with, uh, to everything. Wasn't it a wonder last week to study about the ark? And we find that it's uh, the ark in Genesis was a, you know, a vessel, um, a wood and pitch vessel made. But we see it was actually a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who manifested in the flesh in right there at the beginning of the new covenant. And so let's go ahead and continue today. And we're going to see today how uh, everything, everything about the ark was was supernatural indeed. Now, there was the natural part, yes. It was composed of natural wood and pitch and, you know, various other substances built with, you know, men's hands, the hands of carpenters. So, yes, there was the natural portion just as the Lord Jesus, you know, had a flesh body that was, you know, that came. He got his physical body from his mother who was born of a woman herself. Uh, But we know that, you know, from his father, he was supernatural, um, his father being God. And we're going to see here that with the ark, you know, man had his part and man's part was to build the ark. You know, just as, you know, the physical uh, child, Jesus, was You know, he came into the world just as all the children of men do. Uh, Through a woman, he had his time in the womb being knit together and built by God and so forth and so on. And he was a creature of flesh and blood like all of us. But we're going to see that everything else about the ark was supernatural. And these are things that I never saw before. And I believe that it's going to bless you. So let's start then with verse 17, where uh, verse 16 tells us that, you know, God is continuing to tell Noah um, about the window he's going to put in the ark. And then he'll have sections. It will have three sections uh, a lower section, uh, second story and a third story. And then verse 17, he says, and I, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth. And he said, all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under the heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. Well, wait a minute. He said, everything, everything that is in the earth shall die. And he said to all flesh wherein is the breath of life. Well, doesn't that include us, Lord, my family? Yes, that's what Noah might say, but, or yes, but no. Now look at verse 18, but with you. Will I establish my covenant and you shall come into the ark. So see, not, I mean, everything else is going to die. He says, but you 
shall come into the ark. You and your sons, that's four, and your wife, that's five, and your sons' wives with you, that is eight people. And so there I read the rabbinical commentary and, you know, it was really quite marvelous. It's marvelous to consider how there were giants in the earth at that time that we spoke about before, let alone, um, aside from giants, there were very large animals. I mean, just like there are today, you know tigers and lions and mount, uh, animals that are naturally stronger than men are. And, but I never considered, uh, that these, well, how come they didn't get in the ark? You know, it, it's, it's natural. If we look at it truly from a purely from a natural standpoint, it's natural that they would. Especially, you know, when we consider uh, the giants and we, I don't know if we did even talk about how large some of them are, but they were truly, I mean, very large. could be over 20 feet tall and just uh, some even, well, not quite as wide as tall, but very, very large people could be the size of, you know, the average man, average size of a male times, you know, four easily. And I mean, it's why I think we said last week that the flood in many ways was, um, yes, it was judgment, but it was also God's great grace and mercy because if he had not destroyed, then the, this family, the family of Noah that was left, you know, they would have been quashed because, they, uh, the giants just would have overpowered everybody. They, they could, they were able to eat all the food, you know, they just could overpower everyone else. And the rabbinical commentary said that referencing verse 18, when God says, but I will keep my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. He says, quote, but I will keep my covenant with you, quote, you require a covenant from me so that the produce that you gather into the ark will not rot, will not become moldy, and will not go bad. You require a covenant because of the mighty ones. Those are the giants that we spoke of. Now listen to this. They were so mighty that one of them could place his foot on the opening to the depths and stop it up or place his hand on the window to the heavens and block it up. But if one would attempt to enter the ark, his legs would teeter. That is what is written In Job 26, chapter 5, the giants will tremble under the water and its dwellers. I'm continuing. If an unauthorized lion would attempt... Now, that's interesting that he says unauthorized because some were authorized because God told him to take two by two or to take uh, two of each and then... Uh, well, two that were, well, animals unclean and then two that were clean. Um, So some were authorized, but any who were not authorized would attempt to enter the ark. Its teeth would become dulled. That is what is written out of Job chapter four, verse 10. The roar of the lion and the voice of the great cat and the teeth of the lion cubs are broken. Wow. Now, Rabbi Hayabaraba says, you were a carpenter, speaking of Noah, that he, you know, built the ark. But if it not for my covenant that was with you, you 
would be unable to enter the ark. That is what is written, quote, but I will keep my covenant with you when you enter the ark. Or let me read that again. But I will keep my covenant with you when you enter the ark, you and your sons. So for every person, in other words, as far as people went, there were eight individuals who were authorized by the covenant to enter that ark. And it was Noah, his three sons, his wife, and then Noah's three sons' wives. And it's because of covenant that they were able to enter. And in fact, that is validated again in chapter 8 of Genesis in verse 16, where God, his words say this, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives. So it's just going over again. They were authorized by the covenant to go in and they were authorized to go out. Now that is very interesting because the rabbis said that because of those words and because Noah understood that he and his family was going in by covenant, that no one was permitted uh, marital relations all the time that they were in the ark because no one else was authorized to be in there but them. Now that, my goodness, I never thought about that. But I will tell you, we can see further how that this is, um, you know, further testimony of the ark being, it's talking so much again about the Lord Jesus. I mean, no one enters into him either without the covenant. You know, he said that no one is saved except the spirit of the Lord draw them. And then we enter into Christ, we enter into his body, we enter into his family and into his kingdom one way and one way alone. And that is by acknowledging that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the dead. That is according to Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And that word saved, that's sozo, sozo, that's deliverance, salvation, full deliverance. And so we can see here how, you know, it was very exclusive that not only was Noah and his family authorized to enter those eight individuals, but also only authorized and only animals according to the word of the Lord. Isn't that marvelous? And I will tell you, I, you know, even all my life of being a student of the word, I've, you know, never even considered that. Um, you know, I mean, why wouldn't, uh, you know, why wouldn't a strong animal be able to enter the ark? I mean, why not? You know, if they use their teeth and their paws to gnaw on and overcome everything else, why wouldn't they be able to enter? Well, it's because of covenant. Praise the Lord. You know, to further show how supernatural and how this was all God ordered, I mean, after the building, after the construction was complete, that, you know, that was all God after that, including the fact that in Genesis seven sixteen says that the Lord shut the door. The Lord shut the door. Now, I mean, I guess somebody could, could say, and again, if we're only looking from a natural standpoint, someone could say, well, you know, that's because it was just so huge and, you know, all this and whatever, all kind of reasons like that. No, well, you know, if that were the case, then men wouldn't been able, wouldn't have been able to construct it and place the door on latches and secure it in the first place. 
So it's not that, but it, it God took over the process after that. And I, God with the flood, he was saying, this is my event. You know, you do what you can do. You do what I tell you to do. And I am covering the rest because this is my event. And I tell you what, there were only authorized people who entered. And when God, according to his counsel, when it was time for the door to be shut, he shut it. And you know, he didn't tell, that's interesting too, he didn't tell Noah to shut it either. He shut it. Now I think too, what that says about Jesus, I think it, that reminds us of the, um, that when the door is closed upon all humanity and there, which there will be a time, there is a time determined by God alone um, when he will bring down the curtain of history and the the dispensation of grace will have ended and, you know, no more will be able to come. And just as the door of the ark was shut and we see that that was a very, very long process. It was 120 years. Uh, it The flood came a year after Methuselah had died. And it we said before that Methuselah even means that it shall come, you know, after him, after he is dead, it shall come. Or when he is gone, it shall come. And then no one... No human ever lived as long as Methuselah did on the earth, 969 years. So that again, it signifies the long suffering and the patience of God are not long suffering, but as I say, long suffering of Father God. And, but just that's the same way with the door of the ark, which he shut. And I don't believe that Noah or any of those boys would have been able, or even all eight of them together, would have been able to shut that door, even if they tried. Another thing I would say just before we move on is that the references made earlier to out of the book of Job that talked about the animals and how the lion's, you know, feet would tremble and their teeth, you know, would fall out and come to naught. Well, you know, um, I would just say that the book of Job is a great, it really, really is a great reference and more than likely in your Bibles as you go through Genesis um, not just throughout the creation account in the first couple of chapters, but um, throughout Genesis, um, you are likely to see, if you look in the margin of your Bible, you are probably likely to see, and as I mentioned it now, I hadn't been keeping track of it as we've been going, but you probably will see a good number of references to Job because Job, of course, Remember, it is in the book of Job that God goes into uh, the longest narrative ever in the whole Bible. Is, isn't it uh, what in Job chapters, was is it 36 to 39 or 38 and 39? Where's the whole two chapters? It's just God talking. And he's asking him, you know, were you there? when I made this animal and when I created this and when I ordered the sun and so forth and so on. And he goes into, I mean, it's a powerful narrative where he is doing all the talking and he gives us in much of that is a window to a lot of what he did there in Genesis at the creation. And so I'll just say that for what it's worth. You know, um, we know that the book talks about Job's sufferings, but I tell you what, it there's so much more in that book. 
and just to read it even just for the narrative where God does all the talking. It's worth it even just for that. And I would also say that it is very worth noting more and more how the ark is so much like Jesus that there was a reference made uh, by one of the rabbis that said that the ark was built like a vault and it talked about how that the bottom of it, the bottom most part of it, it, it was raised on the sides, but that the bottom of it was completely flat. And then it talked about the top of it being a certain kind of way, but it was constructed to where as the waters rose, it would incline. In other words, it, it quote, the ark inclined steadily as it ascended. So it just kept rising and rising and rising above the waters. And, you know, in Christ, we ride on the top of the waters. You know, we were not swallowed up in the waters. I, is it, um, was it, it was Isaiah who said, when you go through the waters, they will not drown you. And when you go through the fires, you won't be burned. Well, you know, it's because of the principle here. Um, the righteous were not drowned with the wicked. And we see furthermore that Jesus took true mastery over the waters and he walked right on top of the waters. Remember that? When uh, Yeshua... Uh, went to his disciples well he didn't you know they were in distress and he didn't take the time to get in a boat and you know motor his way out to or paddle his way out to them but he just walked right on top of the water and and there was a storm on the water but he just walked on top of it just like the ark amen Yes, I think we need to stay on this for just another minute. We can be reminded of that even in these times. We hear a lot now about economic conditions, inflation, stagflation, all these kinds of words. Um, we're in the ark. You know, we are in Christ. We're going to rise above. Um, what did Jesus say? It is written we are in the world, but we're not of it. No, we're not subject to um, the vicissitudes of change and the highs and lows and what have you of the world or of this what is known as uh, what the Babylonian kingdom. Well, why else that Jesus said to pray, thy kingdom come, come thy kingdom, be done thy will. So there's another kingdom. He says, we live here in the world, but there is another kingdom. And he says, pray for that kingdom to come. And we surely see uh, how that that kingdom was manifested and operational not only in the life of Jesus, but he taught it, you know, he taught his disciples to bring that kingdom and into their lives as well. Didn't he say, do you remember when uh, Yeshua sent the disciples out two by two? He told them, uh, go and don't take a purse with you. Don't take a change of clothing. That Just go. And they were gone for, what, at least a couple of weeks, wasn't it? And then when they returned, they were rejoicing and happy. And the Lord asked them a question. He said, when you went, uh, did you lack anything? They said, nothing, Lord. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. So I just go ahead and say that for what it's worth. Keep a picture of the ark. You know, um, it doesn't mean that you never have any troubles in life. That's not what we're saying. But it is saying that they're not going to destroy you. You know, you're going to rise 
above. Because if, if you're in Christ, amen? If you're in the ark. Verse 19 says, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall you bring into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. That bears repeating, to keep them alive, to keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. Mm. I'll just say that's for what it's worth. For a, for a species to be kept alive, they must be male and female. He also says, two of every sort you shall bring into the ark. Then in verse 20, he says, of fowls after their kind and of cattle after their kind of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort you shall take with you to keep them alive. And that's that's the second I've heard him make references to two, at least two times there. Only two. And make no mistake, there are not more than two genders, no matter what anyone says. And science indeed validates that. Be not deceived. Now look at verse 21. And take thou unto you of all food that is eaten, all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to you, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Now the first thing that needs to be pointed out is you look at the two references, I believe it's two. First he said, Take unto you of all food, that's, that's first, that is eaten, and you shall gather it to thee, that's two, and it shall be for food for thee. No, actually, that's three. So there's three references that he said, as he refers to the food, he said that the food is for you three times, and then for them meaning the animals, he said, and for them. But them is mentioned second, and them is mentioned only once, whereas for you is mentioned three times. And so that, the first thing to realize there is that just that man, you know, and humanity comes first. You know the where the foods and the provisions are concerned, yes, we're gonna take care of the animal yes, we're gonna feed the animals because they are God's creation too, but they are not greater than human the human they're not greater than the man is, and so the food take of all the food. But remember, you know, it's for you. If anybody is going to eat first, it's going to be you and then them. Amen. Um, but another thing, and I'd like to read some of the rabbinical commentary, but even before we get into that, even the first, just the initial thought, to take unto you of all food that is eaten. And um, so, I, you know, we just can kind of think. We can think on the surface of, uh, every the types of food that they would eat, and we know, I mean, perhaps even of what we don't know, but what we do know is that, you know, all of it was fresh, or that is to say, we know that they weren't putting preservatives in the food and so forth at that time, um, but consider, again, the supernatural uh, component even to all of that, because they were in the ark for over a year. And so, you know, just consider uh, one of the things that is written that um, the rabbis write that most 
of what Noah, most of the food that he took was pressed figs. And there, so there were cakes of pressed figs. That was most of the food. But, you know, I guess, I don't know if, well, I guess pressing doesn't, I don't know if that necessarily means dried. Um, I don't know if dried is the same as pressed, but if there was, you know, no, no more liquid in them or what have you. But in any case, you know, it's not, it's going to spoil. It certainly isn't going to last a year in the natural. So that just tells you even further the supernatural quality of all of this. And, uh, and then the Mishnah also says that Noah took with him branches for feeding the elephants, wild onions for the gazelles, and then a certain food for the ostriches. And he took with him vine branches for planting vines after the flood, fig branches for planting fig trees, and olive branches for planting olive trees after. And so, you know, consider that too, because if everything is going to die, then in the new earth, there wouldn't be any trees. So consider that, all of these that he had to keep, and all of these branches had to stay alive for over a year. And they did. So you see, and that also speaks to preservation. It speaks to preservation. So see, there's preservation in Christ. You know, um, verse 22, And Noah did according to everything that God commanded him, so he did. You know, I'll tell you something, that is complete obedience. And I tell you what, whenever God tells you to do something, um, if you, you just do it and the results, have it, it's up to him. When Elijah stayed by the brook Cherith at the command of God uh, and the lake dried up, he asked God what to do. God said, go to the town of uh go to a widow and I'll and she'll feed you I'll provide for you through a widow that makes no sense in the natural at all but Elijah knew enough to know that well if that's what God's telling me to do then he knows something I don't know and he'll take care of it and sure enough he stayed in the house of the widow and he and her and her son ate, the scripture says, for many days, but uh, I believe that many days was about a year. The only time we need to question is if God has given us a command and we haven't obeyed. That's, and the good thing is if we haven't, then we can. I mean, we can just, we can straighten our thinking immediately. We can, we can get we can become agreeable very quickly and we just obey and then the rest is up to him. There had to be so much that Noah didn't understand, uh, not the least of which the facing the consternation and the ridicule of many, but the scripture does tell us that Noah was a preacher. He was a preacher of righteousness, so he stood strong in his time. At Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And, you know, he stood strong in his time in the face of contradictions and uh, ridicule and whatever else. He knew what God had said to him, and he knew what God told him to do. He might not have understood all of it, but he know he heard it, and he knows that he believed it. And he knew that God couldn't lie. And all things did come to pass, just as God had said to Noah, and just as Noah had preached to the people. Now, there is no joy, and the point here is not to say 
that Noah was able to say, I told you so. That's, that's not the point at all. Uh, in fact, by the time the rains came, Noah wasn't in a position to say na 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 to anybody because he and his family were safely in the ark and God had shut the door. So they were cut off from all communication and anybody else from the outside. I mean, the judgment came, so there wasn't that. But the point is that it is written, he that believeth on him is not ashamed. So the point is, when you obey God, you are never put to shame. Amen? That, by the way, is Romans chapter 10, verses 11 to 13, or actually it's someplace even before that, because it says, for as it is written, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And that is at, at, at least in two or probably even three or four places in scripture because in, in, in second Peter quotes it from another scripture. But I wanted to just give you that reference. Now, as we go into chapter seven, and the Lord said unto Noah, come. Oh man. Mm. There's that great invitation. Come, come thou and all thy house into the ark. Boy, I tell you, you know, <clears throat> thank God, thank God that that invitation is still open now. Come, come. How often did Jesus say, come? He said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To read verse 29 with it, he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. You know, uh, this is a good point a good place to say, to make this notation. And I heard somebody say something that just fully changed my life. Um, but here Jesus is talking about himself and he says, I am meek and lowly in heart. And he says, learn of me. And I heard a man say, what are you going to do? And we as Christians and how you know, there's so many references to uh, even the New Testament church to not be puffed up, don't be full of pride. In fact, you know, I haven't, I still haven't found any reference to pride in all of the scripture that is anything good, but every connotation is bad. So I just, for me, I've even taken that word out of my vocabulary, but suffice it to say, this man said, what are you going to do with a God who is more humble than you? Oh, come on, y'all. Whoa. Even just saying it right now. That preaches so hard. That makes everybody sit down. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. And how many of us can say that? Or do we think we're all that? And sometimes we do. You know? Craziness. But the God we say we serve is truly more humble. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness. I'll just leave that right there and let that preach. John chapter 7 and verse 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So there's that further invitation come. John 6, 37, Jesus again is speaking and he says, 
All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that wonderful? You're not going to be rejected, not by Jesus. Oh, never. Those are just a small handful of verses, but there are many more. And I like to read this one out of Revelation 22 and 17, where uh, joining in with Christ and his invitation, verse 17 says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come! And let him that heareth say, Come, and he that is a thirst come, and whoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Well, that water of life is Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? And lastly, I want to say something about, uh, I'd like to read the scripture out of Acts 16.31, because in this verse, in chapter 7, verse 1, God says to Noah here, come you and all your house into the ark. And I'd like to, I want to thank God for that. And just to remind everybody that Acts 16, 31, where Paul the apostle said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your house. And so I... Just want to thank God for that part of the covenant that your family, your house is included. So continue to pray and believe and don't give up on anybody in your family because they are promised. And I believe that that is a good place to stop for today with the exception to just leave you with a little bit of food for thought, um, verse 2, he goes on to say, or he further instructs Noah, he tells him and his family to come in, so they come into the ark first. And then he says, of every clean beast you shall take into you by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two. And the reference to make there, and I would just say this, that it is quite, it's very interesting that even here at the time of the deluge, this is before the law of Moses. This is before there was any law. There were animals that were clean and animals that were unclean. I'll just go ahead and say that for what it's worth. There is much that is said with respect to animals and food laws and so forth, but just remember, before there was any law, this is God saying that there are certain animals that were clean and some that were not clean. And, you know, I heard it explained this way for those who maybe who don't understand is that there are lots of trees out there, but not every tree is good for food. Do you remember even during the creation account, um, God said, behold, I have given you every tree you know, and he talks about the ones that are good for food or the ones with the, that are bearing or fruit bearing seed with the seed in itself. Um, but he said every tree that is good for food. So there's lots of trees even today that are for our enjoyment. Um, some of them are just big shade trees and that's a, you know, we need that, but they're not all good for food. And so it's the same for the animals. You know, not every animal is good for food. I'll just say that for what it's worth. Put that in the, you know, um, I'll just say this. Um, you know, some animals, and you can study this, but some animals are good for their, um, 
study sometimes animals that will eat anything that you put in front of them. Doesn't matter what it is. Edible, inedible, whatever. And it could be that animals, what I have heard in the way it was has been explained to me, uh, that those types of animals were made to keep the earth clean. They were, as it were, the trash compactors, you know, earth's trash compactors are, you know, uh, those who keep the earth clean. So they are unclean animals because they eat, you know, the refuse and all the unclean stuff, but it doesn't mean that they are good for food. They're not fit for human consumption. So I just want to say that for what it's worth that, um, you know, uh, that's another good reason it's good to study Genesis. And you see that all the doctrine starts here and that there's a lot in here that's way before the law. So anyway, I'll just chew on that. Verse four, for yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. 40 days and 40 nights and every living substance that I have made, I will destroy from off the face of the earth. Now, um, on that segment, the 40 days and the 40 nights, and we'll just, we'll talk about that next week about the significance of the number 40. Amen. And may, uh, we'll just end with verse five. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. And there again, that was Noah's portion. That was Noah's instruction. That was his place. That was his part to do all that the Lord had commanded him. And he had to leave all of the rest up to God. Yeah, I'm going into this ark with every, you know, with all these animals and all this food and, you know, everything. And then there's eight of us people and, you know, but he says, but God said to do it. So there's a whole lot in there. There's much that, you know, isn't to be understood with the natural mind, but he obeyed God. And that was his portion. And may God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word today. Thank you so much for joining me. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the lesson. See you again next week.